Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Whether or not you are listening to it on Tuesday night is up to you. <laughs> My name is SBJ or Steve or whatever you want to call me. Uh, Super Below J. <laughs> right off the bat. And uh, we have Alan here today. Hey, that's me. And uh, we have your partner in crime, Sean. Hey, I'm Sean. Uh... <laughs> I should start by apologizing that we didn't really do a good job of actually saying who we are uh, in episode one. I Maybe if you've listened to our pilot, you could have got a better better thought, but... Don't worry, I blame Sean. <laughs> yeah, I blame, I blame Sean too. for not being there. <laughs> uh, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is SBJ, which is short for Steve Black Jr., uh, but I'm the host and creator of a Pokemon podcast called It's Super Effective, and I've met both Sean and Alan at Gen Con for several years, and then we decided to do this podcast together. And uh, that is where I stand in this mix of three, this threesome that we have going. Menage three, I believe they call it. I'm Alan Girding, and I'm one half of the duo that is Tuesday Night Games, the other half being my business partner, Sean McCoy, partner in crime, amongst other things. But... Yeah, I designed games, designed a bunch of games, most of them unpublished, did a whole bunch of playtesting. My name's in the back of a lot of rule books. And our only game out officially right now that is for retail is Two Rooms and a Boom. I'm Sean. I'm the other half of Tuesday Night Games with Alan. Um, I handle mostly uh, the sort of business side, like the manufacturing and the shipping and that kind of stuff of Tuesday night games. And, uh, in my sort of normal life, I'm a freelance graphic designer. So sometimes I do some graphic design work for Tuesday night games as well. Don't sell yourself short. He's an amazing artist, Yeah, <laughs> but apparently SBJ is as well. Yeah. Look at this. We're going to have like a clash of graphic design. Should have some type of competition. Mm, I would probably lose. What? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh cool so this is a podcast about board gaming and uh about us i guess we started off with we're, we're, yeah we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff yeah sorry don't let me interrupt no no that's fine uh go, that's fine go for it there You're probably fine. will be a lot of this because we're, we're all not sitting in the same room secretly that brings us to our first segment what are we actually wearing no not really sorry <laughs> Go on. uh yeah well last time we started off with what we were playing and uh oh, no. let's do that again uh what board games we've been playing if anyone wants to go first sean have you played anything since last week I haven't played anything since last week this week was a big uh like retailer week and sort of researching games that I wanted to buy for my group because my group is very particular. Um, and so I've just been looking through a list of like what I think may or may not play well with them. Um, but I didn't get to play anything this week, no. Two main things that I've played this week, and one of them is a little Kickstarter. I'm addicted to Kickstarter. I should say that off the bat. I have a lot of Kickstart games Uh but one of the games came in recently, and it's called Moral Dilemma. 
And it's basically the same game as Billionaire Banshee, which is another Kickstarter, which is similar to a lot of other games. Basically, Moral Dilemma is you pull a card and it gives the reader two options. It will say, like, you have to either put your dog in a pit of lava or your wife in a pit of lava. You can't choose them both. And then it's cool because they have this random C deck. So there's option C, which is totally random. So a lot of times it has nothing to do with option A or B. Like one of the option C's was just do neither A or B and just masturbate furiously. So it's slightly inappropriate. And it's actually funny because the cards are rated slightly inappropriate, inappropriate, and severely inappropriate. It has like this green, yellow, red standard. But anyways, you're supposed to predict what the reader would choose. Uh, and that was one game, and that's just cool because it was very conversational, very laid back. You don't really keep score. Uh, but the other game, and this is kind of blending into business talk here, I'm kind of nervous to even talk about it, <laughs> is we playtested Dinner of Doom, which is like two rooms in a boom, but one room. Specifically, it's not even a room. It's at a table. So it's like the tabletop version of two rooms in a boom. And I was really nervous to play it because there are some critical people in the group that with whom I was playing. And so a lot of times I'm scared to show anything new to people that are hypercritical. I've played so many new games with my group that when I pull something out, a lot of times I feel the reaction is, oh, geez, here we go again. But it went over really well. Can, really I, can well. I stop you real quick? Please. So it seems like your audience was hesitant to play a new board game, whereas I feel like from what you've explained to me, your gaming group is super into games, if I'm not mistaken. Depends on which group you're talking about. Uh, my Tuesday night group is a mosh, a motley crew of different people, but mostly I'd like to think it's about friendship. It's funny because we have a couple people that go that hate games, which is really sometimes frustrating but other people that are really into games. I've had one person leave angry because like, we didn't play enough games. So it's, it's pretty eclectic. We have a lot of different characters. Because it's not a dedicated board gaming night. It has a lot of board gaming night, but it's kind of evolved over the years, right? So I think yeah. that's part of it. It started as Halo night way back in the day when Halo <laughs> 1 came out. And I had four TVs and four Xboxes, and they're all linked up together and then it evolved into basically like sports night once it got really nice out and slowly i got into more and more geekery and it became tuesday night games okay so is was this the group that was this your tuesday night group that you brought this new game out to yes it was and i don't think it's so much that they're opposed to games where they where they were thinking oh geez here we go again as much as they're opposed to my games and I think this is a very important note for would-be designers and our designers out there. You have to be careful you don't burn out your play testers. So I've learned that I only bring a game out once I've really hashed out a lot of details on it, at least to my Tuesday night group, because I don't want to get my dick knocked into the dirt for just some kind of basic idea that I'm floating around. It better be pretty hashed out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Because it, it, it's stressful playtesting something that's like not fully finished. You know what I mean? It's like seeing your kid in a play or something like you don't want them to mess up. Um, but you don't know if it'll be fun or not, right? Because you've never played it before. And so I could see how there'd be like stress on both sides of the table. 
for our listeners. So how much did you play prior to bringing it out to your Tuesday night game group? I played a ton in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I really hash out all the details. It's crazy because I have this fear of my play group. Really? This is really therapeutic. Thanks, SBJ. I'm, I'm getting this. <laughs> I haven't really talked about this. It's really scary, especially for my group, because they're the only ones. I shouldn't say they're the only ones. They're the ones I care the most about because of the game sucks. I'm going to have a really hard time playing it. And the harsh thing is sometimes the games are great, but one sandbagger ruins it for the whole group and then they don't want to play it. You pull it out and like, hey, let's play this game. Ugh. It's so it's it's one of those things where I don't want to poison the well, if you will, early on. So I have to make sure they have as good of an experience as, at first as possible. And how did it go? It went fantastic. It was really surprising. All of them basically said, yeah, this is like a different version of two rooms and a boom. You definitely can't claim that it's nothing to do with two rooms and a boom because it reeks of two rooms and a boom. But the cool thing is we played with just six players, seven players, eight players. And some people complain about Two Rooms of Boom once it has fewer than 11 players. Uh, sometimes people say any fewer than 12 and I won't even play. But here this game plays from six to 14 and it's really sweet at six players. So, And you don't have to walk around into different rooms and you're all talking to each other at the same time. So it, it has that more tighter niche feeling to it. Hmm. That sounds cool. Hey, thanks, Steve. Uh, is it? I don't want to compare it to another game, but like, so in my mind, I, I I'm thinking it's it's similar to Tombs and a Boom, which is kind of similar to Werewolf, which is kind of similar to The Resistance. They all kind of fall into that hidden role game. This podcast is over. <laughs> and <laughs> not that any of those games are bad. No, I'm just teasing. But like, when I think of sitting down at a table that's kind of like Two Rooms and a Boom, I think of The Resistance. Oh. Well, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Uh, the big difference is it's more about finding your teammates than it is about finding your enemies. So you get a cooperative game feel. You're building your team up rather than lying and manipulating. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's bonus if you can find the primary character of the opposite team, but it's much more about getting together with your teammates, finding people you can trust, and going for it in the earliest place the crazy thing about this too is dinner of doom three minute game three minutes so uh crazy so uh, that was other one thing if you add in time between rounds for the transition it's more like five minutes and i'm not sure if i'll have to change that because people definitely said wow that was really quick and fanatic but yeah we'll see something i'm working on hmm. cool yeah it's exciting uh, well, I didn't play uh, anything this week, but I got a huge shipment of games just uh, from old Gen Con stuff or Kickstarters that came in. Nice. Like checking behind me without trying to make my voice go down. I got Probably the... We could just edit it out. Yeah. That's true. I, I got the Catacombs Kickstarter, the reprint of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That has that great artist. What's his name? Sean, do you know offhand? Sorry to put you on the spot. Catacombs artist. He's the guy that does the really kind of flat but cartoony art. It almost looks like they're cardboard cutouts, but they're not. Oh, crazy. He gave us a business card. It's in the back. Oh, oh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's his name? What's his Anyways. name? Anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that I, I remember the shut up and sit down review of that Quan game. Quan Yeah, that's it. Good work, Sean. <laughs> Anyways, this is the flick 
flicking game. The flicking game, yeah. And I was like, man, I really want that game. But that game has terrible, terrible art. And so when they reprinted it on Kickstarter, I was like, for sure, like this Kickstarter will definitely work because they've made the game. They're just changing the art. Uh, and then they shipped like two years late, but I got it finally. Nice. Um, and then I got the Machi Koro Deluxe Edition, which I'm a big fan of Machi Koro. I hear I hear a lot of people say the box is way too big for the components. The original, yes. Okay. Uh, the, the Deluxe Edition comes in a really nice, um, it's a smaller box, but it's a tin box, which is sweet because I like tin boxes to take to, to take outside the house because they don't get beat up like typical cardboard boxes do interesting you're the first person i've ever met who likes the tin boxes really seconded yeah most people Mm -hmm. i talk to say uh give me death before you give me tin oh man it's so nice to throw like a bunch of tins in a duffel bag and not having to worry about your like your corners getting all scuffed when you get home it's a great point i mean i mean if it's just sitting on my shelf cardboard for sure because it's yeah i think that's the complaint is storage they don't stack on top of each other well and when you open them, sometimes they stick, so cards go flying everywhere when mm-hmm. you open them, and they're loud. You can't. It's hard to steal them from someone's game supply. <laughs> yeah. So I got a bunch of games. I didn't play anything this week, but uh, um, I'm excited to play that stuff, especially Machi Koro. Like that. I have not found somebody in my play group that has not liked that game. So it's, even my mom, who has only played like three of my hundred some games, like Machi Koro was her jam. What else you got? <laughs> that's it oh catacombs and machi koro uh oh and i got wwe superstar showdown which isn't that exciting except i'm a big wwe fan so it is exciting you really are man i see you on twitter mm-hmm. talking all this wwe stuff and i have no idea what you're talking about well i try to hashtag it in a way where people can just mute the hashtag and not have to worry about it wait you can do that yeah yeah so i like if i'm watching raw on monday night i'll hashtag raw and so if you click on that hat if you like right click i think on well Hold on. So if you go to Twitter.com and you click on it, you can mute that hashtag. Or if you have a Twitter app, you can say mute anything that's hashtag raw. That just led into the next segment that I was to think we could do. Twitter tips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you can you can mute. It's a pretty good one. There you go. Now you don't have to deal with me tweeting about Monday Night Raw, which is a terrible show, but I watch it every Monday. No, I I like seeing it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. It's like hearing about like the debates of a political party from a country I've never heard of. It's just like I don't know. I guess that's bad. Maybe that's good. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, that's cool. I feel, I'm a, I'm a bad host here. I don't know what our next topic is supposed to rotate into. No problem. Let's just do random conversations because let's talk about the future of the podcast. How about that? Sure. Yeah. Because here's here's what I think is going to happen. And I talked to Sean outside of here and I think we agree that the episodes are only going to get better and better as we find our mojo and flow and as we get more and more comfortable and we become more and more of ourselves, uh, which is going to be really tough because this episode's going to be amazing. So <laughs> it's only going to get better. Uh, I do have an idea for one segment, and that is business talk. So business talk is where – I guess I'm trying to imagine what do listeners, what would they actually be interested in hearing? And I think we'd get some audience members definitely interested in what the hell's going on with our very small indie business of Tuesday Night Games. So for that, I would actually like to ask Sean, what would you like to share of what's going on in the business right now of our company? 
Well, uh, it depends on like what what's on the table. Is there anything we don't want to talk about? But we're not. I guess I don't know. Um, I, I can't think of anything that we wouldn't want to talk about. We want to be as natural as possible. I guess once we start talking about stuff we shouldn't, we'll just turn to SBJ and say, "Hey, edit that out, would you?" Yeah, I suppose. So the only thing to edit so, out. So thanks for listening. That was the business <laughs> talk session. <laughs> so. Uh, Nothing you want to – we should share everything, right, Sean? Because <laughs> um, we didn't just some, edit out anything, did we? Some cool stuff that's going on right now is, uh, you know, we're talking to bigger box stores like, you know, Target.com, um, Target, Barnes & Noble, Hastings. Um, and we're talking to PSI about, you know, working with them. Um, and it's just interesting, like, taking a look at all the different business models available to us, you know, Amazon only – Amazon plus distribution, Amazon plus distribution plus big box and trying to put up with a model that makes sense for us and for like what we want to get out of the company, you know? Um, so it's been sort of an interesting challenge just trying to figure out like what is going to work for our business long-term, you know? Yeah. I also know you've been really busy since the product is finally out with customer service and we're trying our best to get mm -hmm. one of the best reputations for customer service. So anytime anyone post any type of issue like oh my cards are kind of spotty i try to catch them as soon as possible and say email sean at contact at tuesdaynightgames.com with any problems that you have with the game players, i know that yeah go on players have been reacting really well in fact today um this was nice i got an email from a guy that said like if there was such a thing as like overly customer service like he said something just super nice that was like you guys have gone insanely way above and beyond and like we're playing the game tonight and I'm so happy. Um, and we don't get that a lot, but it was definitely cool to hear because um, I think we got lucky. I don't think a lot of customers, like a lot of companies can afford to give some of the levels of customer service right now that we're doing, you know, like if your Kickstarter barely funds and you only have enough money to ship and then some guys like, Hey, my cards are miscut. You're kind of SOL. Like there's nothing you can do for that guy because there's just no money, you know? Yeah. But, but, you know, we haven't had that problem so far, which has been great. As scary as this may seem, let's talk about the dark side. What's one of the worst customer requests that you've gotten as far <laughs> as you get anyone really belligerent? Like, hey, I had to wait forever for this game and I want you to die. Nobody's, also, send me some cards. Nobody's really mean to me. Um, people might be annoyed at first, but then after I'm like, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, what, you know, what's your address or, you know, what cards are, are the problem or whatever. Everybody calms down. This is funny. I had um, a girl that had volunteered for us before. I gave her some shit because she forgot to change her address after the and um, she forgot to change her address before the Kickstarter shipped. So the Kickstarter shipped, and she emailed me and was like, "Hey, like I forgot to change my address. Can you change it here?" And I gave her some shit and was like, "Oh, come on, you're one of our volunteers. You should have known this." She was like, "Sorry," and I, you know, went ahead and changed her address or whatever. And then she messages me like a month later and is like, hey, did this ever get shipped to me? And so I'm going back through and I'm like, I think so, yeah. Um, let me double check. Maybe I sent her another copy or something like that. And then she gets back in touch and she's like, oh, the one you're sending it to is at the, going to the wrong address again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And um, it turns out she had sent me the wrong, or she had moved again since having sent the address. So it's just one of these <laughs> things It's like, what am I? You're supposed to be on our side. I've just spent 60 bucks of worth of product on you, you know? I've definitely caught this as the dark side. Uh, and this is laughable. I don't want to say this keeps me awake at night at all. But 
an angry message put publicly, hey, I didn't get mine, what the heck? And then you check it out and they just filled out their survey after everyone's already getting theirs. So people not filling out their survey is an issue with Kickstarter. Yeah. And we try our best to remind them. Yeah. I think Kickstarter is super crazy and I I I've backed a lot of things on Kickstarter. I think I've hit like a hundred things backed and I've created three Kickstarters. And I remember when you guys were going through um the two rooms in a boom Kickstarter, I there was moments of frustration on my end where I was like, I've played this game, I've seen this game. The the game is literally cards. There are no dice, there are no spinners or tops or fancy components like why is it taking so long to get shipped and then you kind of see following and obviously i get that there was problems and you guys have explained that but it's funny to see that like people instead of dealing with that or coming to an understanding of like okay they're having problems but like they gave me an update the the first thing they go is like i want my money back even though (laughs) and i don't know if you guys got that a lot but like a lot of other kickstarters like if there's anything negative posted to their walls, it's like refund, refund. And I want to like strangle all those people and be like, Kickstarter is not a store. You are there to fund somebody's like passion and what their, their project and what they're trying to achieve. And some people don't achieve that. And some people do. And some people make a lot of money and some people don't and stop treating it like a, like a store. Before any of our haters accuse us of doing this, I in no way prompted you to say that that was all SBJ's account. I didn't pay you. <laughs> Sean didn't pay you. At least I don't think Sean paid you or anything like that. So uh, I just no, realized th- I was like, I recognize SBJ's name from our Kickstarter wall. <laughs> like that was starting to dawn on me when I realized. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I remember seeing Steve Black Jr. all over that wall. He said some really shitty things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever did. I don't think you did. <laughs> Here's the cold truth behind the scenes. We, I kept count because it was personal. You know, it's this is our passion. This is something that we're doing, and it's scary, and we don't have experience with. We tried as much research. Six people asked for refunds, which I think is a vast minority. Six people actually messaged me and said, "I want a refund." Three of those individuals responded to my response because I explained, "Hey, and this this I've been criticized for at this point in time." we're not offering refunds. We're really sorry. Just bear with us. And I explained the reasons why we're not offering refunds because there's still a lot of money in flux. We haven't paid for the manufacturing yet. We still have to pay for shipping and fulfillment, all these things. And three of the six people said, oh, cool. I just wanted to make sure that you guys were still alive and still doing your thing. So basically two of them hadn't read the updates and one just wanted to make sure that I would respond. As far as the other three, one basically said, go to hell. And the other two really responded negatively and really started some, I don't want to say hate campaigns or anything like that, but basically really started posting some angry stuff on our Kickstarter, on Board Game Geek. One of them went onto my Facebook and Twitter and just basically was on self-reclaimed. He, he actually said at one point, I am making my mission to make sure you failed everything you do. So it was like, oh, wow. Well, wow. Yeah, it takes a lot of love to hate someone that much. Yeah, a lot of a lot of time. Yeah, I've done three Kickstarters. I did uh, a Kickstarter for an art show in Milwaukee, and then I did a Kickstarter for a book, and then I did one for my podcast, my other podcast, my Pokemon one. 
And out of all, plug your book. What's your book? I'm totally interested. Sorry to cut you off. It's, it's, it's not like a reading book. It was actually like a strategy guide for Monster Hunter. Okay, nice. Um, I was super into Monster Hunter, and I I had a, a friend in Canada who's an amazing artist, and uh, I I asked her like if she wanted to collaborate, and I know she was she was like kind of struggling to not struggling to get money, but like I knew she could use some money. So I was like, well, if I do a Kickstarter, this is this would be your cut. These are how many drawings you have to do. I'll do all the layout and stuff. And I wanted to see if I could. All my life, I've been like known as the Pokemon guy. Like, oh, Steve does the Pokemon podcast. Steve does this, and and yes, I like that. That's cool. But I wanted to see if I could do something without like without that backing behind me. Sure. Uh, so I was super into Monster Hunter at the time, and so was my so was my girlfriend Irene. So we were both playing it a lot, and. There was no like real good guide out there, and I wanted to try to make a book because I felt like that would be a simple, cool thing to do on Kickstarter. How'd it go? It went. It went well. I think. I think I made. I think the Kickstarter ended at seven thousand dollars with like a hundred people, Jeez. and and I actually lost money on that Kickstarter, which not a lot of people know or or get. They, I mean, a lot. Everyone got their books and stuff, but I. When I was pricing it out, I priced the wrong amount of pages per books I needed to order, and I added oh. hardcover at the last minute because people kept asking. And um, I think one person complained that the book wasn't like, like the paper wasn't as great as they expected or what they wanted. And I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, I actually lost money. Um. And not that, not that it was that big of a deal, but it was cool that I was able to complete and start the project. But it's yeah, it's it's crazy because everyone looks at Kickstarter and they're like, oh, look at all the money you've just made, and it's like, no. And, yeah, and th- that's why I said what I said because, like, I've I've been both a creator and a huge consumer, and so I get what you guys were going through. That didn't stop me from being frustrated that the game was, I think, a year year game was a year late. Yeah, a year late. Yeah, so it was it was it had its ups and downs. I think you guys had really good communication compared to most. I mean, I knew exactly what we we're going through, and I was really frustrated. It was taking us a long time. Like, that's one of the tough things is when you can't describe like guys like. This is not easy for us, you know. We're uh, we're doing everything we can. We're losing money every second we don't get you guys this game, you yeah. know. Definitely, um, the hardest part of the Kickstarter was hearing the bad news and feeling it so painfully, only to have to share that same bad news with our backers and have them kick us when we're already in pain. It's like, hey, man, I really don't think any single one of you wants this game published more than we do so i totally empathize i'm totally with you trust me you're pissed i'm pissed you don't like me i hate me so that was definitely the hardest part of the kickstarter campaign yeah kickstarters and i've actually stopped buying board games from kickstarter because it kind of goes back to yeah kickstarter is not a store but like i just understand that there's almost such a delay that i don't know in in a year or two years, if I'm either going to be interested in that topic or that kind of game or. Yeah, there's like a cash flow problem. You're out like 60 bucks or whatever for the next six months, a year, two years. Like I've been talking um, like if there's any kind of recession or dip in the market, like stuff like Kickstarter will dry up first because people aren't going to be willing to just not just to be out that money for that long. You know, Right. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're hitting our time limit. Are we already? Man, my timer's off because I have, because we're aiming for 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're at what right now? I'm at... I see 32.07. All right. So let's do one last segment then. 
And I guess that will just be question corner. I had so much more I wanted to go through, but maybe we'll get to it next time. <laughs> that always gives us content for shows. Yeah, yeah. So question corner is we each get to ask one another one question, right? Just like last time, so we can get to know each other. I know you had us do introductions at the beginning, mm-hmm. but let's go a little deeper. Sure. Let's get more and more uncomfortable or more comfortable with one another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got a question um, just for one of you. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. Direct okay. it. Steve, yeah. SBJ, what character class are you in D&D? Oh, man. This is going to reveal so much because I actually have never played a game of D&D. This podcast oh, wow. is over. Bye. See you guys. That's <laughs> exciting. I hope we should get to play sometime. It's it, Yeah, it is. It's super disappointing because I've wanted to play so badly. And Maybe this is the end of our session. We should always end with like two minutes of some role playing game. Yeah, we could. The problem, the problem is that I can't get. So, I thought like I, my my game group's always changing, and a game that's usually consistent that I tried to play with a set amount of people was Risk Legacy, mm. and that lasted about four sessions before it. Everyone stopped kind of talking and hanging out. <laughs> Uh, so based off that alone, I knew I knew I couldn't get a good enough group together for D and D, right? And so I thought about doing the Skype thing, uh, and I met a dude who is a big fan of my Pokemon podcast, and he's been a game master for like twenty some years, and he's willing to do something with me. But I haven't found other players, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we can do something on this show. But yeah, that's something I would be I would be super interested in. Uh, if I was to pick a class, it'd probably be like somebody with like a bow and arrow. Yeah. Oh, the bow and arrow guy. Yeah, the old bow and arrow guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, since you were asked the question, SBJ, now you could ask a question. That's how we'll play this. Yeah. Oh, man. Mm, 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 mm. I really like the idea of doing a role-playing game because we talked last time about how we should reward listeners for listening to one episode or the other because you mentioned why would someone listen to the first episode when you're 100 episodes in? Well, if we had some continuity going on, like an ongoing story, ho oh, ho, it would totally reward listeners for downloading episode one, two, three, four, five, five thousand. 5,000. <laughs> Your question, SBJ. My question. Uh, I'll direct it to... I asked you something last time. I'll direct it to Sean. Sean, what game is... What game do you despise, dislike, hate, but that's really popular that everyone else wants to play or or everyone else kind of likes? Two rooms and a boom. <laughs> that's not bad. Uh, usually it's Cards Against Humanity, but I like Cards Against Humanity once in a blue moon. I just played it a lot when it first came out. And so if somebody's like, have you heard of this game? Um, then it's like, oh, man, come on. Um, but the funnier one is Sentinels of the Multiverse because it's a decent story. I used to love Sentinels of the Multiverse and I showed it to Alan and That's Alan me. didn't like it. That was a Kickstarter it, game. It was a Kickstarter game. Um, and when he pointed out why he didn't like it, I was like, well, that's dumb. But then it like, it was a seed in my brain. And then every time I played it, I realized what he was saying more and more and more. And so at this point, I already showed it to my friends and my friends all loved it. But by like the second time I played with my friends, I was like, oh, I can't do it anymore. This sucks. And so now my friends are like in love with this game that I don't like playing. And uh, they're like, hey, we're going to So now Sean never asks me what I think of a game. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I'm really worried that like the game won't be good, 
but I bought it and I spent a lot of money on it and I, I think I might like it. I won't play it with Alan first. Only because like there are plenty of games where I'll play it and be like, oh, that was fun. And I'll put them on my shelf and never play them again. Mm-hmm. But I won't think that was a waste of money, <laughs> which I would think if I like bought it and played it down. I was like, oh, yeah, that game is kind of dumb. Ugh. Hey, Why in my defense, I've learned definitely don't point out the flaws in games unless someone really wants to know. So uh, I think in that case, in Sentinels Against the Multiverse, it was just obvious because of the environment in which we were playing it. Because I was hosting a party where there are over a hundred people there. And so sitting down to play a game really took away from my hosting. But yeah, that's why it was kind of obvious as to that. That's my defense. I like, I need to know what the problem with that game is now. I, I could still host. <laughs> so Alan would get, he'd sit down, take his turn and then leave and then come back 20 minutes later and sit down and play his turn and leave, which like obviously also sucked for us because it was like, Hey man, we're trying to play a game with you, but he had stuff to do, you know? Um, and the game still worked, but the game still works fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh? All right, Sean, that means, uh, I, I'm the only one who hasn't asked a question yet. So you haven't been asked a question. yet. I haven't either, but that's, that's the problem with, uh, three of us. (laughs) Well, I guess Sean, it's Sean's turn to ask me a question then, I guess. Yeah. Let's see. Um, your least favorite, uh, like genre of board game. Or or a theme, theme, I should say. Least favorite theme. Hostage exchanges. Yes, (laughs) hostage exchanges, explosions. I would say my least favorite theme is, it's almost like a bell curve, an inverse bell curve, because you have the really interesting genres. And some of them are tropes that I like, but the more immersive they are, I like some steampunk, like, oh man, and the better I can imagine it's there. And then you have run of the mill ones, what is that one game called? Boats and trains? Boats and Boats and Roads. Boats and Roads. Like that theme <laughs> sounds horrible to me. But at the same time, it's an inverse bell curve because once it gets so mundane, I'll actually get a little bit curious. Like, here's a game about organizing your socks. I wanna play that. <laughs> that sounds pretty ridiculous. Legit. It's That's specific. A, yeah. Yeah. So something that tries to be fun but won't be. So basically. As stereotypical as it sounds, the more, I should say, the less it takes me away from my everyday life, probably the less likely I'm going to do it, unless it does it so wrong and strong. So probably that theme. Like, hey, here's going to work. or You know, it's weird. It's tough because I did enjoy The Sims. So I guess the answer is, I don't know. And you and I have had this conversation before. I think what we're revealing is, it's more about the gameplay than the theme. Theme is amazing and it's really important. And I totally am down with that. But if the mechanics are bad, I won't like it. And if the theme's kind of like Dominion, I really don't like the theme of Dominion. I don't feel like I'm actually building a city or anything like that. I'm like, ugh, it's totally tacked on. But I love Dominion. Sure. And it's rare the opposite's true, where the game is bad, but the theme's so good that I love it. Like for me, it's more like if I see a zombie game on Kickstarter, it's like, Nah, like, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure you're dissecting zombie games in a new way that nobody's ever done, but it's it's not getting my blood pumping at all, you know? Yeah, I had a pretty strict, like, no zombie rule for anything, whether that was TV, games, uh, <laughs> video games, and then Dead of Winter came along, and I was like, all right, this is this is too good not to buy. 
I think they were smart not to put zombies up front, though. Like, zombies not in the title, the box isn't red, you know? Like, it, yeah. they focus on the survivors, yeah, that's which true. Makes, it think, th- uh, makes it seem different, you know? I think somebody on, like, Board Game Geek said that you could technically just pretend the zombies are, like, wolves, and the game mm-hmm. would still work perfectly. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Jonathan Gilmore. Yeah. Flathead hey. Games is listening. Just make a wolf expansion. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my turn to ask a question. So I'll go to, I guess I ask you both one question then, and then we're done, right? So we'll make them quick. We'll make them quick. Um, SBJ, what is your real job? My real, uh, uh, my real job is kind of boring. I'm a front-end web developer for a, a e-cigarette site. Oh, that's right. Which is pretty crazy. So, <laughs> so before that, I used to work at Apple. I used to be a technician and fix iPhones and Macs and whatnot. And the people who started this company for e-cigs, they all kind of they all worked at Apple or knew people at Apple. So a lot of us went over there just because it wasn't retail. Uh-huh. And I have a degree in graphic design, and I was trying to get more into web development. And I was like, well, I don't really know code that well, but I know it well enough to take this job. Uh, because what what did what did they know? <laughs> they just started this business, um, and it, it was uh, it was it was great because they gave me the tools to learn, and I've kind of been self uh, self taught front end developer, and yeah, that's what I do. I, I keep the website up to date and uh, design stuff, and uh, yeah. I'm sorry. If you have a degree in graphic design, I'm sure you would beat me in a graphic design competition. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, that was that was a while ago that I got that degree, but yeah, I didn't really do anything with it besides. Those degrees don't age well. Yeah, degrees. (laughs) No, that's actually really cool. I I think that's fascinating, going from Apple and front end. And I I totally want to hear about what you're self-teaching yourself, what kind of programming assets you're getting into next. Are you getting into Unity, et cetera? I don't know if you're going that deep. But next time in Question Corner. (laughs) All right, Sean, uh, this one to make it quick, and we'll end on this one. Sorry to put you on here, but I think our listeners would want to know personal stuff too. So I, I like to cut deep. Maybe you're not comfortable talking about this, but I'm going to see if you are. I know that you went to the doctor recently. What did the doctor say? Oh, wow. Uh, man. That's insane. Uh, I didn't think you were going to ask me that. Um, hey, I'm cutting deep. The and, doctor- I, and I care. I care. No, yeah. So, Steve, I went to the doctor um, the other day. I've been having this problem, and uh, this is like the third time I went this month. And I'm sitting in his office, and the doctor says, uh, "Sean, you have to stop masturbating." Wait, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're making that up. He said. No, that? he said I had. To, he said I had to stop masturbating. Wait, wait, wait. But medically, it's shown that masturbation actually really helps. Why would he tell you to stop masturbating? He said, uh, you have to stop masturbating because I'm examining you. Whoa! <laughs> and that's our show. So <sighs> we just lost Tom Vassell on that one. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I think we lost Tom Vassell a long time ago, but he's, he's good people. All right. Uh, yeah, should we do outros? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alan, where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, at Alan Girding, Twitter, or just Alan Girding on Facebook. Uh, yeah, really original that way. Awesome, Sean. I'm on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. 
Sweet. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dragging A Lake, D R A G G I N G A L A K E. I should tell you the story next time about why dragging a lake is personally pretty freaky. Yeah, yeah. It's a, (laughs) it also doesn't hold up well like my degree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I should probably spell mine too, but A L A N G E R. Ding. All right. Cool. Boom. I think that's our show. Cue the outro music if it wasn't already cued. And uh, yeah, until next time. See you guys later. Later.